Alrighty, it's recording. Oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> We've been blessed. I see a little wiggle in the wiggly thing. At least no one's clipping out and we'll make it work. Alright, Zencaster back at the ranch. Do you think, Paul? Lead us in a prayer or whatever the fuck okay. it is you do. Okay. One thing I need to do is open my book of Mormon PDF. And we want to do the wheel thing, so let me open that link. Alright. Wheel of effects. Okay, cool. We're on the chapter regarding bondage, one of my favorites. <laughs> 18, that's the one. Okay. okay, so I'm all good. You guys all good? The little wave things on my screen look as big as yours, by the way. So the sound should be okay? Yep. We're in business. Yay! And I hear what you did there, Paul. I don't know what I did either, but it's working. <laughs> I acknowledge your pun. That's what she said. Actually, that's a summary of my sex life. I don't know what I did, but it's working. You might be surprised how often it's not working. Nah, that's only for you. I don't know. Oh, this conversation's dying before it's even started. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. It's Book of Boredom time. Yes, it's Sabbath day for us here in Australia. It's Sunday. Happy Sabbath, guys. Shabbat shalom. There we go. Let's get all spiritual-like and discuss the most truest of all truthfulnessy true books. Plagiarized from the other true, full truthfulness book. It's Book of Boredom time with Brother Paul, Sister Patience, and back. Why do guests keep coming back? They should learn their lesson the first time, shouldn't they? <laughs> Sister Shay is back with us this week. Hey, Sister Shay. Hello. What's been happening? I don't know. I don't even remember what day it is. <laughs> well, for us, it's Sunday. For you, it's Saturday evening. Sunday Eve. It's the special day, the day you get ready for Sunday. This is how fucked up the church is. They had this primary song for the little kids to sing that was all about Saturday being dedicated to getting things ready for Sunday. You shine your shoes, you press your clothes, you have a shower. Stuff candy in your scriptures so you're ready for the next day. Wow, you put candy in your scriptures? I never yes. put candy in my scriptures. Candy would fall out everywhere and it's the oh, only way to get that's through so clever. only way to get through church Ooh. hey shay how did you get it into your scriptures it was like this leather thing and it was like stuffed so i just kept stuffing more and more so it stretched out and oh that would have really helped the time fly hey yeah it's the only way my grandpa would slip us those giant lifesavers and sacrament when we started getting rowdy must have been so boring for you it's mind-numbing well i'm hoping you're going to tell us your whole story about how you got out of it Sure. It's like a nine-year process. A nine-year process? Yeah, wow. that's the average for uh, anyone to leave is nine years. Oh, really? From the time they have their first doubt or realization it's not true, it takes nine years because it's so enmeshed. Family, your friends, your relationships, you don't have any outside resources. Wow. Actually, that's not far off. The timeline for me was probably about eight years from first asking what the fuck to telling them to get fucked. It's a mind fuckery. We were slow learners <laughs> probably because we didn't spend all saturday getting ready for sunday <laughs> now look watch it. if i slide back slightly you have a halo showing the sun is shining just right and it's not a halo by your bedside no no <laughs> you have the light of god's love shining out of you paul ah god's love is always shining through me i'm a conduit to god as we've oh, heard on this show and it directly gets funneled through your penis doesn't it the only priesthood holder here right yeah 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 i should have dominion over you both. <laughs> yeah, that's going to happen. <laughs> so any news at all since we last spoke, Sister Shay? What's been happening in your life over there? What's news? I guess the news for me is that I have to go
go be deposed by my scout abuser later this month. So that really sucks. So deposed means you've got to go in and be a witness, right? I have to go and be questioned about my relationship with him. All right. So that's kind of my shitty news of the week. But that's going to be fun. Yeah. That's not going to be fun. Yeah. Shay, in Australia, Paul was saying that the girls didn't go to scouts. Did you go to scouts in the States? No, and I've heard I'm not the only female that was part of the abuse with scouts. It was so strange. So it was my brother's scout leader. It started out with me mowing his lawn. <laughs> was like, I know. <laughs> the innuendos. I was mowing his lawn and he should have known better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when, who the fuck has a teenage girl mow their lawn? Come on now. I was 12. A pervert? Exactly. So he had me mow his lawn, like, and he paid me for like one time. And then from then on, he like moved in down the street for me. He started having his wife have the discussions at our house. And we just moved from Japan. So like he totally targeted my family. But yeah, he was my brother's scout leader. And my brother started mowing his lawn. And I was like, well, I want to make 20 bucks in an hour, you know, because it'd take me like a whole night of babysitting to get that kind of money. And so, but then he just didn't pay us. Yeah, babysitting doesn't pay. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So, so it just kind of went on from there. Like he did take me to activities and stuff like that, but um, that was later on. But like, I mean, there was like footsie in the temple and stuff. Footsie in the temple. Because he was like a youth leader. and Oh, he was playing footsie with you. In front of like everyone. Wow. People are doing baptisms at the font and we're right there around boys my age and he's sitting there flirting with me openly and like touching me and stuff like that. And Jesus. Wow. How old was he at this point? He was 11 years older, so from 12 to 16. So like when he was caught, he was 27. Jesus Christ. Jesus. Oh my God. Yeah. So anyway, long story short, when I was about 27 myself, and I was working in the church as the primary leader, and then I was putting young women's and I just started looking around at the boys. I was like, there is no way on God's green earth that I would ever be anywhere attracted, interested in like nothing would make me want to be in that type of a relationship with these young men. And then I was like watching young women go in to bishop interviews still one on one with men. It like kind of triggered me. I was like, this isn't right. Because I knew about Protect the Lions or whatever that is. What's Protect the Lions? A group of advocacy stuff that's going on to like stop them from interviewing young women alone. So I was like, wait, I thought they stopped letting them do interviews. That's only been a recent change. I think like only in the last year or so they've made that change. And it's only after intense public scrutiny and pressure. Yeah. So this was probably like 2013 that I was a leader and I was like, this isn't right. They shouldn't be meeting with them. They shouldn't be asking them sexual questions still. You know, I was 27, which he was 27 when he abused me and got caught. And so that really kind of like unsettled me. My first point of doubt is that I was pregnant and I had not had any like sin or anything. Like, you know, earlier in my life, I had like sin that would always shame me back into, you know, obedience or whatever. But I was sitting there reading the Book of Mormon 30 pages a day. Whoa. Oh, Jesus. Because it was like a challenge to read it within like a certain amount of time. 
time. So I had to read 30 pages a day. So I got to like Alma, worthy, pregnant, married in the temple, nothing on my record that I hadn't repented of. And I'm reading it and I was like, wait a second. I'm like halfway through the book and I haven't felt a damn thing. It's just a story. And not a very good story at that. Yeah. And I was like, it's nothing different than any other book. And it's not even interesting. No. It's just about family dynamics and how fucked up they are. Uh-huh. I told my husband at the time, I, was, I just had this strong feeling that this isn't true. And I don't think I can go anymore. And he was like, I'm okay with it as long as you just keep going like with me to support me. So then I started kind of asking questions like in Sunday school or whatever. Oh, don't do that, Shay. I know. <laughs> and I couldn't believe it after I asked this question because it was like the eight witnesses or whatever on the first page of the Book of Mormon. They were like uh, saying how was the only one that didn't deny it or something. And I was like, well, have we followed up with those other eight or 12? Like what happened to them? And we covered that in the first episode. None of the witnesses on the front of the book ever actually signed that document anyway. Yeah. It was added when they were in Salt Lake City, like decades later. So they're like bragging about it. And I'm like, this isn't right. And so I I asked, I said, well, what happened to these other ones? And afterwards, this man in our ward, who was like our age, went up to my husband and said, oh, you're going to let your wife ask questions like that? Blah, blah, blah. Like get her in check. And I was actually proud of my ex-husband because he's like, no, like I don't own you. Like you can ask whatever questions you want. So that kind of happened like around the time I was probably like 23, 24. So it just took a really long time to get everything off my shelf. The thing that really rocked me was just the exhaustion. I was just exhausted. And I was like, I need a break. Being put in young women's was just triggering. And I was just like, I can't, I have too much on my plate. (laughs) The other big thing was our budget was so tight back then. Our biggest bill was like our rent and our groceries and tithing. And I was like cutting my gym membership. And then I started adding up all the time I was going to church. And I realized I was paying $25 per time to go donate my time to the church. And I was like, fuck no, I'm not paying to donate my time. Wow. Mm. A lot of realizations kind of happened at once. But then the CES letter is what really pulled me out for good. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, so. And CES letter is one of the links in our show notes at every episode for anybody out there who does question or wants to know what questions you should ask Mormons. Mm-hmm. So if you're a non-member and Mormons try to approach you, because the questions there are ones that you can put to any Mormon and be like, well, answer these. And they would say, ah, God did it. You should just pray. He'll tell you. <laughs> Don't question. Just go and pray. I've just revamped the links too. If you go to bookofboredom.com forward slash reasons, all of the things that used to be in our show notes are there now. And there's a link in our show notes just to that one link. And it includes the CES letter and I've put a bit of a blurb about each Lincoln book that Paul has mentioned and hopefully that's a bit more easily understandable now. Yeah, because those are really questions that every member when they come upon them has that humanity alarm bell going off of like, oh, that doesn't match my values. Like racism, right? Like you're like, oh, that doesn't seem right. No, we're not racist anymore. (laughs) Right? We're not homophobic either. That was bad. Back then, no, no, gay people are fine. You just can't get baptized to have the priesthood or kids or be given equal treatment. But you can be gay. Totally cool. Yeah. <laughs> CES letter, everybody. <laughs> yeah, check it out. Going back to the molestation thing, I know it's a hard topic and I won't go into it too much, but I do remember one time hearing about somebody in the church getting caught molesting a girl. And I seriously remember one of the leaders saying, well, at least he didn't do it to a boy. Wow. <sighs> that would be gay. 
Yeah. You know, like it's less evil and less bad that he molested a girl, mm-hmm. you know, because at least it's straight molesting. Yeah. Got too opposed to it. That's the mindset of some of the people in the church that we're talking about, some of the leaders, you know. It's like, oh, it was just a girl. It's okay. We can, you know, he's not gay or anything, you know. It's so crazy you say that because what they told me and my family was when my dad wanted to go to the police, they said, well, at least we caught it in time. No, you didn't. What does that mean? It's already fucking happened. My mind is fucked. My emotions are fucked my yeah yeah my first experience is gone you know and mm-hmm. i actually realized like why i don't like taylor swift is because it all her like love songs are like memories of that you know they're not wow. like my own experience they're experiences that were stolen from me and it's taylor swift yeah right and it's taylor swift <laughs> And it's so pervasive. Like, I actually found out in the last year, my grandma had never shared with my grandpa who her biological dad was. And after she passed away, he found her birth certificate. And he saw the name and he recognized it because it was one of the 70 apostles. And he recognized the name. And what it was is, get this, someone she was babysitting for who raped her when she was 16. And that's how my grandma was born. Jesus. And he became a 70. He was a 70 when it happened. And so he... He had a whole family. So my great grandma was left to raise her daughter alone. What really hit me was like, that was my great grandma. And it happened to her great granddaughter, early 2000s. And nothing happened to that guy, I bet. Because amongst other things, it's not a good image for the church. Yeah. They couldn't possibly have one of their leaders caught out doing that sort of thing. And, you know, so even if the church knew about it, they would avoid the scandal and just keep him in this position and be like, oh, just, you know, pray and repent, you'll be fine. Well, I think it goes back to that idea of like that women in the church are not considered equal humans, you know? Probably when I was like 17 and I was at this bridge where we'd all jump off and I was very exposed. It was like an itty bitty teeny bikini or whatever, but I looked hot. Let's just say that. Ooh, that's against the Mormon church standards. I'd just been abused. I'm going through this rebellious stage and see my bishop come and he's with his sons. Like the bishop that interviewed me, he was like deer in the headlights and he was like, jump. I was up there about to jump, but I was scared. And I mean, this is like a relatively big bridge. When I jumped, I realized as I was hitting the water that it's because he didn't want his sons to see me in my bikini. And that was really fucked up. He actually even was like, does anybody need a ride home after like one of the activities? And he lived right down the street from me. And I said, I could use a ride. And he was like, oh, and it shifted around. And finally, he's like, okay. So he actually took me home all the way past his house and then dropped me off and then went and dropped the boys off, which were up closer to the church. So he spent like an extra probably 40 minutes just to not be anywhere near me. Just like a pariah type thing. I found out too, my young women's leaders were commenting on my breast size. Because that's totally your fault. You have big boobs, you harlot temptress. <laughs> the thing that drove me the most crazy is like, I had been to Bangkok, Thailand because I lived in Japan and we traveled and we'd moved back there. So when I saw a Bangkok, Thailand shirt in American Eagle, I'm like, that's awesome. And I was wearing it and they of course took it sexually. What, Bangkok? Yeah, like it's just so uncultured, <laughs> you know, like that's an actual city in the world. Like you <sighs> fuckers who are totally like, Don't even leave your own city. Mm. Oh my God. Instead of having any sort of like, this is a child and we need to protect her. We need to like treat her with kindness. I was just blacklisted. And that was even before the abuse happened. So you were blacklisted before the abuse happened. 
Mm-hmm. Like at 12. So I was always in this group. It was just me and like five boys. And the girls were in another Sunday school class. So I never really had any girlfriends, like, you know, friends at church that were my age. Why were you in the same Sunday school class with boys? I thought they split them up. So there's one hour of the Sunday where you're together. They'd made an exception for one of the other girls to go in the older class oh. so that she could be with her friend, which left me alone. Sunday meetings in Mormon churches, it's three hours split into three sessions. So you have the sacrament meeting first, which is everyone in the hall. And then after that, you have Sunday school, which is usually divided by age groups. So it's co-ed, the Sunday school part. Yeah. And then you split into the just men, just women thing for the last hour. Ah, okay. I remember in my experience in my teens, if it turned out that any girl had broken the law of chastity, even consensually in any way, they were like shunned and, yeah, stay away from her, this evil temptress and harlot. But even the girls who had been abused or molested and hadn't consented were still treated the same way. Yeah. And of course, the guys got off scot-free most of the time. Yeah. Now looking back, I can see just how much of that was happening. But at the time, I was just clueless. You know, because the messages I was hearing from people directly were supportive, but then what was going on that I kept kind of running into brick walls of where these other perceptions that people weren't sharing with me. One example was I became friends with this boy in the group. I mean, all the boys were constantly taking claim to me when I didn't even know about it. Mm. So anyway, this one boy, we started going canoeing and we just hang out. We play board games. You know, it was just very innocent. He was always hearing this stuff and then he'd repeat it to me. So he's like, people were saying that we were being immoral or something because we were caught without our shirts on. I had my swimsuit on and he had his swimsuit on so you were in your swimming togs your bathers that's totally normal yeah we were in our swimsuits and they said that you know we were being improper and we just gotten done canoeing or whatever and it was right before youth group and so right anyway long story short he kept getting all this backlash and he was telling me that the bishop's son was telling him not to hang out with me Mm. and once he left and went to BYU Idaho I got this email from him that was like you're family didn't go to church on Memorial Day when your grandpa visited and I can't have anything to do with you and you and I never dated like he just had this big long shit list that he'd been holding passive aggressive this friend of yours that you went canoeing with yeah the bishop's son what and I think it's because he knew about the abuse nobody kept it a secret I remember that from the other side if there was ever a girl who had broken the law of chastity at any point I was sort of warned oh Paul be careful with her she's going to lead you astray or whatever. And it was the same as if it was non-consensual and they were molested or raped or whatever. But even most attractive girls who just happen to have big boobs or whatever, even if they covered themselves trying to be chased, would still be warned, oh, be careful with her, you know, she's going to lead you astray. It's like they were trying to steer you towards the kind of average attractiveness. Yeah. (laughs) The super hot ones are going to lead you to temptation, so maybe pick someone middle of the line, you know. (laughs) And if they've ever done anything at all or had anybody touch their bits with consensually, non-consensually, oh, they're tarnished now, Paul. You've got to be careful with them. Stay away from them. And it sucks. Yeah, that's really interesting to hear. A couple of girls who I'm still friends with to this day, who I love to death and have nothing but respect for, were a couple of the girls that were like that. I was warned to stay away from them because they were going nowhere with life. They were just using their bodies and, you know, blah, 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 blah. They've both gone on to become incredibly successful mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. really kicking ass. I even knew back then, I was like, I know she's going to make something of herself. That was one of my rebellious things, actually, is when I was told that. I was like, no. I don't care. She's cool. She's a good person. I like her as a friend. I'm going to hang out with her. Yeah. Yeah. 
You know, and I think that's kind of the mentality, but there was this other really subtle, like disturbing thing that was going on Mm. in our Sunday school class. They would say this right to me and to all of us, Mm. any money spent on a woman or a girl before you're married is money spent on another man's wife. (laughs) I never heard that one. That's a new one to me. Okay. So get this. I get this boy who I didn't like that's in the group and he's like the lowest on the totem pole coolness wise to the boys like they're all like shitting on him all the time yeah he calls me up and he's like hey shay do you want to go to a movie and i'm like oh my gosh i'm finally getting a friend that's approved church wise that i can hang out with this is awesome i can have a guy friend and this was before the canoeing guy right Mm. so (laughs) oh um, by the way can you pick me up because he wasn't allowed to get his driver's license until he had his what is it eagle scout (laughs) none of the boys my age could drive because of that dumb rule. I was lucky I avoided that one. My parents wanted me to get my license as soon as possible (laughs) so that I could do the early morning drive to seminary and they didn't have to. I mean, that's what I expected would happen. (laughs) I pick him up. We get to the movie. So it's my gas, my car, get to the movie. Oh, I forgot my wallet. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Except I was like, oh my gosh, are you like, you know, but I'm not going to say anything. That's okay. I'm like, okay, you owe me $18. So then next time, hey, Shay, can you pick me up? Let's go bowling and I'm like okay let's go bowling so we get there and again he's forgotten his wallet oh what this is that same family that was like any money spent on a woman before uh, is that why he was trying not to spend money on another man's wife yeah what even I never heard that one that's a whole new level of fucked up I always grew up I don't know whether it was just church or just me being told you gotta be a gentleman but my thing was always you take a girl on a date you pay for everything yeah so it was like the opposite of that yeah <laughs> And that's what's crazy is like, that's what I thought. Like, I thought the old way was them paying. And so I thought for me, it was like, Mm. I'm the independent woman, but I'm not going to pay for you. I'm not going to pay your share. But I kept getting conned into it. Yeah. And I actually kind of feel like that's what's currently happening to me with this abuser is he's like, you know, it's just financial abuse of women is just perpetuated. Although that's one habit, actually, it took me a long time to get over, even as an adult out of the church. When I ask a girl out on a date, I'm still like, oh, I'm taking you out. I need to pay. Every now and then I'm like, no, fuck, Paul. It's 2021. It's your first date. You know? <laughs> yeah. Women are more than capable of paying their share. If you're dating or in a relationship, it's nice every now and then to say, look, I'm taking you out. It's my treat. But yeah, first meeting, you don't know how it's going to go. Everybody pay themselves. Yeah, I'm still conflicted about do we pay half? Do we share? I offer, but then if they say no, we'll split it. I'm like, cool. Yeah. 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 Or you're just like, look, how about I buy the dinner, you buy the drinks? Yeah, there should be some sort of chipping in. Not I'm driving, I'm using my car. I'm supposed to get you home. (laughs) All the dads who were also like in the bishopric one time cornered me on the boat. Uh, It was like at a youth activity and they're like, Mm. hey, we need to talk to you. And they dropped off all the other young women at the dock. So it was just, me and these four men. Oh, Jesus. That's not intimidating or inappropriate in any way. <sighs> yeah, and they cornered me and they're like, your parents don't set a curfew for you. So we're swooping in here to kind of set you straight that you need to make sure our sons are home before midnight. Wow. Who the hell says that about their own fucking sons <laughs> who are priesthood holders and supposed to be the gift that God gave the green earth? Because it wasn't the son's fault that they weren't home before midnight. Oh yeah, it wasn't their fault. It was the pariah. 
that was another funny thing, though. It's almost as if midnight was the cutoff night where, you know, the Holy Ghost goes to bed or something. Yeah, nothing good happens after midnight. Yeah, yeah, if you're on a date that goes beyond midnight, oh, you're getting dangerous territory now. That's when the sex starts happening, after midnight. <laughs> I remember the same thing. It was always, make sure you have a moment before midnight. You know, what happens after? Oh, you know, you, the temptation is too much after midnight. <laughs> Well, the temptation to play the Xbox is too tempting. That's what it was. Is we're playing Xbox and I'm like, we got to go. We got to get you home. And no, no, I'm not going home yet. Uh, well, they keep playing. I was like. Uh, <laughs> I guess I was lucky. And also my parents were a little bit more liberal, I guess, as far as Mormons go. Mm-hmm. Anytime I was out with my church friends, as long as my parents knew the kids and their parents, they were very easy going with it. Like, oh, we know that they're from a good church family and they're wonderful kids. And you just go out and have your fun. It's all good. But if I wanted to go to a party for school, you better be back by 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like when it was the school friends or the non-member friends or the not as Mormon church friends, it was, uh, Paul, be home by 10. <laughs> <laughs> so Patience, which group were you? <laughs> no, no, she was cool. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was allowed to hang out with Patience as much as I wanted because <laughs> they knew her and they knew her mum and they knew that even though she wasn't a Mormon, she was a good Christian child at the time. A trusted. <laughs> so... <laughs> She was on the trusted list. They didn't think that anything inappropriate would happen with us. I didn't actually date anyway. Yeah, I used to think that you were completely asexual because you just never showed any interest in any relationships or sex stuff or whatever. So really, she would have been perfect. I should have been dating you back then because everyone was like, oh, it's only patient. She's not going to do anything. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, we've got something special lined up. Let's get into the book. Sure. Because we have a fun new way of trying to get through Isaiah tonight, don't we, Sister Patience? Oh, we do. (laughs) I'm so excited. We have, what have you? Called it the wheel. The wheel of affect. Okay, hang on. Let me do it with a voice. It's wheel of affect. <laughs> <laughs> so what we're going to do? How long is tonight's chapter? We got twenty-two verses. Okay, that's pretty good. And we're going through Isaiah again, which, as we've well established, is very fucking boring and mind-numbingly stupid. <laughs> so to make it a little bit more fun, before we each read our, th- our three verses tonight, we're going to spin. We're going to get a voice that we're going to have to try to read the book in. Oh. Ooh. You both up for this? We're going to do this? Yeah. Oh, I'll give it a red hot go. Please. All right, well, you came up with the wheel, so of course you have to spin it. That's only fair. Well, Rosalind came up with most of the affects that are on it. Oh, okay, cool, cool, yeah. cool. All right, well, I usually start first. So I guess I'll start first. So let me spin the wheel of affects. Boom, boom. <laughs> And see what I come up with. Hang on. Spin. Oh, <laughs> you're going to love this one, Sister Patience. So I've got Gordon Ramsay. Ooh. <laughs> okay. Suck it to me, Playing Gordon. at home, we're reading 2nd Nephi 18, which is plagiarized from Isaiah 8. I don't know if I can do a Gordon Ramsay accent, but I'll try to maybe work in some of his classic phrases and stuff. One, two, three. Here we go. Moreover, you fuckwit, <laughs> the word of the Lord said unto me, fucking take thee a great role. Oh, this is, this is Gordon Ramsay theme there's a role in this one <laughs> take the a great role and write in it with a man's pen concerning Mahashalal has <laughs> oh god you're stumbling over your words <laughs> what the fuck 
fuck is that? Uh, we're going into um, <laughs> Jewish takeout order. So I don't know what the fuck this is. You need to be more British with your accent, Paul. Would you believe, although my whole family is British, I've grown up around nothing but British people, I suck at trying to do a British accent. Yeah, your <laughs> mum sounds British. So does your dad. Yeah, How yeah. does you not sound British? I don't know. You think I was around so many British people I could sound fucking British, but no, <laughs> I'm terrible with accents. You know why, though? Uh. That's a common thing. Our accents are more influenced by our peer group than our parents. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we see the only accents I can do are ones that in 2021, if I attempted, I'd be called racist. So I can't do those ones. That's my problem. I'm going to just default to copying yours. If yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to sound see, terrible. But. <laughs> my thing is, no matter what accent I've ever tried to do, even if I nail it a little bit at first, I always seem to end up sounding Indian by the end of it. It just kind of happens. Huh. And I'm sorry to any Indian listeners out there. I know you want our poo back. Good for you. I'm not going to deliberately try it, but it's like I'll try to talk American and then all of a sudden they end up going into... Uh, I'm just like, no, I didn't mean to do that. What's wrong with speaking Indian, though? It's not cool in the PCH for white people to impersonate people of colour. Yeah, fuck that. And no, no, no. We have to respect our audience, okay? We can make fun of Mormons all we want, okay? Because that's punching up, but we can't make fun of anybody for races or voices or anything like that. Why is Indian punching down. I don't make the rules, okay? Don't ask me. I love how the two of you are like always polar opposites on everything, it seems like. (laughs) That's why we work so well together. Uh, All right. I can't do a Gordon Ramsay British. I can do like a Hugh Laurie as George from Blackadder type of British accent. But no. Okay. So Gordon Ramsay, he's just come across this shit sandwich called Mahershalal Hashbad. That's what she gets. I wasn't done. It should be fucking called Mahershalal Hashbad. And I took unto me faithful witnesses to record Uriah, the priest, and Zechariah, the son of Chipperikakaka. What the fuck? Is that a vegetable? Yeah. You are going to take some Tiburkakaya, mix it with some fucking zucchini, and it better not taste as bland as Zachariah. <laughs> and I went unto the prophetess, and she conceived and bare a son. Well, that's random. Oh, no, they're naming the son after the shit sandwich. <laughs> that's exactly it. He's knocked his woman up, and the Lord has said, no, do not call him Mark. Do not call him Bob. Call him Mahashalal Hashbaz. Oh, wow. So you're a mother, right? Yeah. You're planning on having any more kids? No, done. I was going to say, there is the name for your next kid. You know, I do have five foster kittens right now. I could name each one a piece of that name. You could. Oh. I, I should get three dogs called that, okay? And that way, when I call them, you know, I could be, Mahal! Mahal! Hushbuds! You need like a wand and like a witch's hat and it's like a spell you cast on them. Oh, I have been stricken by the Mahal Shahal Hushbuds. <laughs> Better get that checked out. Yeah, I know. I'm sure there's a cream for that. Anyway, I'm not good at doing Gordon Ramsay, but sister patience is over you to spin and see if you can do a better impression than me. Okay, hold on. I got to run to the bathroom. All right, I got to go too. Oh, okay. Toilet break. How about we have some toilet break music? Oh, I know some toilet break music that sister patience will love dearly. Okay, and I hope we're still recording. Where are we? I'm going to play some of sister patience's favorite stuff. Here we go. Our toilet break is brought to you by sister patience's favorite band as described last week. I fucking love this song. No one wants to hear your neediness. 
unless you learn something I from it. I fucking love this so, song. Of course, there's no response. It's all one-sided. Craving your reaction. I heard your voice too slow. My clients want impossible. I can't believe it. I fucking love this song. Swept up off my boredom. I forgot to not feel things I again. I fucking love this song. Thoughts and the context for the emoji make me sadder. Now I'm I sitting on the ground, eyes falling out while the neighbors play copulation jams. Can't keep pace with me. I'm dissatisfied with everything. That's fair. I'm just making the greatest form of flattery. What I crave but don't deserve. I'll turn off. I it's all in I don't like jamming to Pearl Jam. Who did you get? Did you spin the wheel? I did. I got apologetic Canadian. Oh. New Canadian, eh? Eh? See, why did I, I could do a Canadian? Oh, I don't know if I can. It's probably going to go a bit brish again. Put it in the garburator. Carburetor. Garburetor. I dated a guy from Saskatchewan at BYU. I have a story about that. Oh, eh? I temporarily from reading your scriptures to hear this story. So I was dating this guy from Canada, Saskatchewan. And he went by Regina on his mission because he was from Regina, Saskatchewan. Regina. And so I called him Reggie. Anyway. Or is it Regina? How do they say it? They say Regina. Oh, really? Isn't that terrible? This is weird. Not Regina. They say Regina. <laughs> That's classic. And it's so funny because our uh, steak building growing up was on Regina. <laughs> and everyone had to say Regina. That was your steak building? And I'm like, something's not right. Am I in a sex cult? No, no. I'm not. <laughs> wow. But yeah, so he would say things really weird, like, ooh, and garburator. And he had so many, like, speeding tickets and stuff in uh, New Jersey. He thought he'd never have to go back there. So he called me one time from jail. <laughs> He got arrested because of all his driving record stuff. Oh. So he was a Mormon boy and he called you from jail. Yeah. I love it. I was like, oh, that's a deal breaker. Oh, the best part was they called me. He's like, hey, guess what? It's so funny. I'm in jail. And I'm like, <laughs> Hilarious. Worried about him. He's in like Jersey in a jail cell. <laughs> and then uh, he's like, oh, my friend's coming, you know, trying to get me out. So I got to go. So then it was like three days later. I text him. I'm like, so dot, 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 question mark. He's like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, so what happened? His friend was going to try to get him out of jail. What does he mean they were going back to court or his friend was trying to break him out? I think he was just trying to get him out. On bail or something. Yeah, bail him. Ah, uh, okay, okay. I was fixing this elaborate prison breaks sort of scenario. So he goes, what? I didn't tell you? And I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. You were in jail and you didn't tell your girlfriend. So I broke up with him through text. I was like, I don't deserve Don't break up with me, baby. Just just give me five to ten years, I promise. I'll, I'll, I'll be back. Just wait for me. Wait for me, please. But he did have this story about how one time he didn't have his papers to get back into the US. So him and his brother skirted the Canadian border through the woods. And I was like, what are you thinking? You could totally lose your ability to go to BYU you could lose your everything you know and he just didn't seem to care about the law at all especially in the US <laughs> that's probably why you liked him though he was a little bit dangerous wasn't he Shay he's a bad boy oh you had a thing for the bad boys they're exciting aren't they Canadians they break the rules but then they apologize for it afterwards <laughs> yeah. Canadian murderer I'm so sorry I'm killing you eh <laughs> 
Well, he was like denser than a box of rocks because like one of my best guy friends was like him, Shay, really? Him? Yeah. And like his family would be like, is he all there? <laughs> Didn't get things, you know? Sister Patience, I'm going to make an observation here, okay? I'm thinking back to all of the episodes we've done where we've had guests on and we've read scriptures. I don't think we've ever gone off topic and off the scriptures as often as we have while trying to read Isaiah. <laughs> it's like every couple of verses we go off on a tangent. And you know why? Because Isaiah is fucking idiocy and we just want to talk about something else. I'm okay with that. That's cool. Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, totally fine. I have to tell you, though, Brother Paul, I was telling Sister Patience that, why are we reading Isaiah? I thought you're reading the Book of Boredom, not the Bible. I was really confused until while we were waiting for you. Do you not remember reading it when you were a kid? Like it was- I blocked it until oh. we were waiting for you and Sister Patience said it. I know, like in seminary, it took like a whole term. Oh, it was terrible. Yeah, they really tried to drum at home how profound and prophetic it was and how amazing it was. I think I said this an episode or two ago. I think every Mormon that ever read the Book of Mormon, we maybe read Isaiah once and then we'd always skip it. Yeah. It became like an ongoing joke, you know, when somebody said, oh, I just finished reading the Book of Mormon again, we'd say, oh, even Isaiah? <laughs> oh, no, 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 I, I skipped Isaiah. <laughs> then it's only this long if you skip all the plagiarism. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, sister patience, get your best apologetic Canadian on and read us the next three verses, eh? I think I'm going to have to channel a little bit of Swedish Chef because that's about as close as I can get. <laughs> Sarah McLaughlin on the pet rescue video. Sarah McLaughlin's so depressing, although I do like some of her songs. I do too. Mm. She's so chill. It's like she's always on Xanax or Valium or something. (laughs) For behold, the child shall not have knowledge to cry, my father and my mother, (laughs) before the riches of Damascus and the spoil of Samaria. Uh, you sound like more kind of fucking Irish or something. But. <laughs> She'll be taken away before the king of Assyria. You're going fucking Irish, lady. Gosh. That's okay because it's still fucking funny. Actually, I'm going Scottish instead of Irish. Oh, Jesus, I'm shit at this. Can anybody say it like a Canadian? Okay, I'm just going to apologise like a Canadian. Mm. I'm sorry, eh? The Lord spake also unto me again saying... <laughs> yeah, you're totally Irish, but Robin. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> it's no wonder my sister has such a hard time doing a North American accent. I love that you call it North American. <laughs> well, yeah. For as much as this people refuseth the waters of Shiloh that go softly and rejoice in the risen A eh? and Romalia's son, Seaman Colin. <laughs> <laughs> that was really shit. Yeah, it was very entertaining, though. That's the important thing. I don't know what they were saying. I don't either. I was focused too much on trying to sound shit. We've given up trying to figure out what this fucker is talking about. Let's just have some fun. Sister Shay, spin the wheel of Running down on Price is Right. Oh, wait. Wrong show. <laughs> oh. The Price is Wrong, bitch. <laughs> Victorian Street Urchin. A what? Victorian Street Urchin. Like a chimney sway. Oh, gosh. Please, sir, may I have some more? <laughs> I may be a tiny chimney sweep, but I've got an enormous brush. Oh, you've got it. See, maybe I should have got that one. <laughs> I'll give it a go and then I'll you give it a go. I'll chimney and sing your song, governor. <laughs> 
Okay. I got a lot to read here. Now therefore, behold, the Lord bringeth upon them the waters of the river, strong and many, even the king of Assyria and all his glory. And he shall come up over all his channels and go over all his banks. <laughs> and he shall pass through Judah. Yeah. He shall overflow. Yeah. And go over. Yeah. <laughs> he shall reach even to the neck. Yeah. And the stretching out of his wings shall fill the breadth of thy land, O Emmanuel. Associate yourself. Yeah, you're sounding more like Swedish, yeah? <laughs> I'm taking Helga and Olga to the shops, yeah? Associate yourselves, O ye people. How do we solve a problem like Maria? <laughs> <laughs> and ye shall be broken in pieces. It's German, and give isn't it? ear all ye of far countries. German, Sweden, they're all the fucking same. <laughs> Gird yourselves, and ye shall be broken in pieces. Gird yourselves, and ye shall be broken in pieces. Why am I fucking repeating myself? <laughs> I know, it says it twice there. It's so weird. Well, it always says everything <laughs> twice. It's just to numb your brain. Okay, so it's me again now. Who am I going to spin this time? Ooh, drunk Russian. I was hoping you'd get that one. Take counsel together. <laughs> <coughs> It shall come to naught. Speak for... I don't know what I've just transitioned into, but it's definitely not fucking Russian. Think James Bond villains, Paul. Oh, Bond villain. There we go. Yeah. Da, da. Come to naught. Speak. <laughs> I change my accent with every fucking word. Speak the word, and it shall not stand, for God is with us. Yeah, da. For the Lord spake thus to me with a strong hand. How does he speak with a strong hand? A smack. You don't talk back. <laughs> Good. If you talk again, I smack you. In Soviet Russia, we speak with the hand. There we go. We beat you down, yeah? Yeah. We, we beat you down. Where's my vodka? Okay. Speak the words for it shall not stand, yeah? He's back to British again. <laughs> for God is with us. For the Lord spake thus to me. With the strong hand in Soviet Russia, we all have strong hands. We rule with the iron fist, yeah? And instructed me that I should not walk in the way of this people saying... I'm Swedish again now, am I? <laughs> anyway. Or German, I think. I'm German. Okay. Say ye not a confederacy to all or to whom this people shall say, a confederacy neither fear ye their fear nor be afraid, yeah? Yes. I'm pretty sure I just took you across all of continental Europe. I think you did. <laughs> I've never been to Europe. Thanks for the trip, Paul. Around the world in three verses. Have you been to Europe before, Shay? No, I've always wanted to. I've traveled in Asia, but not Europe. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, let's spin. Sister patience, spin spin the wheel, yeah. Oh <laughs> comprehensible Ewok. <laughs> I was hoping you get that one. Oh no no. <laughs> Sanctify the Lord of hosts himself and let him be your and let him be your dread and he shall be for a century chippies <laughs> I sound like a gobble dog <laughs> sounds a little like Gollum <laughs> did you ever have the gobble dog in America? Oh, I don't know. No, the gobble dog was an Australian thing, I think. <laughs> Chippies! Chippies! <laughs> and he shall be for a century! But for a stone of stumbling, and for a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel, for a gin and a snare. <laughs> to the 
the inhabitants have Grizzly? You sound like you're coming, Paul. Yeah, that's an Ewok coming. Alright, is it back over to Sister Shay? I haven't finished my third horrible verse yet. sorry, sorry. Bring the third verse on then. Come on. And many among them shall stumble and fall and be broken and be snared and be taken. Oh, taken. <laughs> that wasn't bad, actually. Was I was good. totally picturing you jumping on a speeder bike and racing off on it. All right, back over to Sister Shay for the Wheel of Effects. Here we go. Scooby-Doo. Okay, this is a good up your testimony. Shield them off among my disciples. Woo-woo-woo. <laughs> <laughs> I've totally lost Scooby-Doo, I think. <laughs> I lie word upon the Lord that hideth his face from the house of Jacob. <laughs> and I will look for him. His name. A shaggy. 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 Like Scoops, we gotta get out of here. Everyone's <laughs> favourite stoner before we knew what stoners were. <laughs> yeah. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord hath given me are for signs. <laughs> <laughs> and for wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts, which dwelleth in Mount Zion. That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> right. Is it back over me? I think so. I've lost track. What verse are we on to now? Then I've got to spin the wheel. 19. Yokel. Ah, oh, I can do a yokel. <laughs> I finally got one I can do. All right, all right. In fact, I wouldn't mind betting that Sister Rosalind put this one on the list just for me. <laughs> <laughs> Because she knows I can do a yoko. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How do I know when to stop drinking when I run out? <laughs> I only just learned to read yesterday. And when they shall say unto you, <laughs> so many big words, seek unto them that have familiar spirits and unto wizards. Oh, I like wizards. Wizards are funny with their beards and their capes and, and their big wizard sleeves. <laughs> that peep and martyr. My, my truck used to peep and martyr a little bit, but I put a little bit of gum over the exhaust pipe and that fixed it all right up. Should not a people seek unto their God for well, they're living here from the dead. They're living and hearing from the dead? Oh, they must be drinking some pretty fine moonshine, if you ask me. To the law. The law's involved? <laughs> I didn't do nothing, your highness judge. I didn't do nothing. <laughs> and do the testimony. Well, uh, yeah, I'm kind of nervous now. I'm talking to the law. And if they shall speak not according to the word, it because there's no light in them. You probably didn't pay your power bill, but that's okay because I got old cousin Betty on the back. She's working <laughs> as a generator, so she, we, we still have lights. Paul needs to get on the generator to lose some weight. Is the light in you, Paul? Does bird light count? 
<laughs> and they shall pass through it, hardly be standing hungry. Oh, I hate being hungry. And it shall come to pass that when they shall be hungry, they shall fret themselves and curse their king and their god. Oh, my. And look upward. I often look upward because it's usually because I fall over when I'm drunk. <laughs> and they shall look unto the earth and behold trouble and darkness and dimness night of anguish. And shall we driven to darkness? Oh, we only drive people to darkness when they sleep with my cousin Betty. You sleep with my cousin <laughs> Betty, I'm going to drive you somewhere dark and you, you, you're not coming back. <laughs> there we go, we finished the chapter. Oh, that was pretty quick. Yeah, that's what she said. <laughs> we didn't get too distracted. All right, well, that was fun. we got to keep doing this because we still got like eight more side chapters. Let's just tell our listeners what else could come up. On the Wheel of Effect. Confused Kiwi, I like that. Bogan. Bogan, really, for our American listeners, isn't much different to Yokel. Mm. Australian redneck, you know. I was really hoping we'd get Pirate. Oh, yeah, Pirate. We got definitely got to get Pirate. Then we got, what, Smitty's Barber. Don't know how we're going to do that one. Mormon Wiggle. <laughs> White Boy. Marvin the Robot. Eeyore the Donkey. Comprehensible Ewok, we just did Tongue. Okay, does that mean whoever gets tongues just, yeah, instead of reading the actual verses, they just shout, That's it, whoever gets that won't actually read it, they'll just kind of ramble gibberish. Mm. Oh, Dr. Evil. Arl, Dr. Evil will read. <laughs> That's what I should have gotten. Million dollars. <laughs> Dorothy, who the fuck is Dorothy Gale? From The Wizard of Oz. Oh, I see. I never knew what her last name was till now. It's Gale, is it? There's no place like home. Makes sense that it's Gale too, doesn't it? Because she gets blown away in a wind. I see what they did there. <laughs> very clever, very clever. I hope I get John Wayne sometime. And it came to pass, pilgrims. <laughs> uh, twinkle, twinkle, little star. Okay, we've got some good ones on there for next week. Whoever we get on, we will keep spinning the wheel of effect. I was wondering, since we didn't really get into it earlier, if Shay would like to tell us how she went from being 27 and discovering that reading the Book of Mormon, it was just all horseshit, how she went from that to being the awesome person she is now. Hey, I'm sure Aww. she was an awesome person before. But that's quite a journey, though. So that happened when I was 20, that I had that Book of Mormon experience. Oh, 20. Okay. Then I went for my husband, but the problem was I was like kicking him out of bed. We got to go because I have all these obligations. I would be the one non-believing, getting all the callings. He's the believer. I'm the one with all the obligations. So around 27 is when I was in leadership and I'm like, I don't believe, but I have to play along. A friend of mine was very progressive. She's the one that was always questioning. We became really good friends and she introduced me to like the conference in Salt Lake that's kind of like John DeLynn was part of it. It's like um, some Stone. I see John DeLynn, that's someone I should try to get on the show sometime. He's so good. He helped me a lot. Don't know if he'd do this or not, but I might reach out anyway. He could be cool. So John DeLynn is a very famous, he's now ex-Mormon, isn't he? He's not still in the church. Uh-huh. He got excommunicated, yeah. So yeah, he questioned a lot of things about the church history and whatever. I think he still wanted to believe it, didn't he? He just wanted the church to be honest about some stuff. Yeah, so Sunstone is this thing that goes on in Salt Lake and it's a conference where people that were scholars could go and talk about more questions questionable things that were truthful and factual and historical 
that weren't part of our normal church, you know, oh. like, you know, talking about that women had the priesthood. I remember like when I was at BYU, there were a lot of things that kind of came up like that the Book of Mormon's not actually factual. And my teacher discouraging me from writing a paper about proving the Book of Mormon's true, hearing that women that were teaching about the priestesses that women had the priesthood originally and that they got excommunicated for telling the truth. That really floored me. Oh. And then once I went through the temple, I was like, whoa, this is so wrong. And anyway, so Sunstone allows a place. And John DeLinwood, I believe he's the one that wrote in the Sunstone magazine, there was a why I stay. So like if you're a non-believing member, but you stay for the community or I stay because of this or that. And so reading those were really helpful for me, um, kind of put my soul at peace, but it also kind of created new questions. Do you think that that artificially kept you in the church longer than what it should have though? I think that if I hadn't come across it, though, I would have been in still. Oh, really? Because there was no other door open. Because when you question, everyone around you is constantly gaslighting. Like, yeah. you're conditioned to gaslight each other. I even have a friend that's out now that we question each other about stuff. And then we get to a point where we had to like, oh, they're not okay with that. They're uncomfortable with that. And we just shut up. Is Sunstone something that's sanctioned by the church for sort of like a think tank? Or is it something that's separate that is shunned by the official church? It's very much shunned okay yeah it's a gathering of members and excommunicate like john delin or kate kelly or i noticed mike norton's a fan of the show yeah i want to get mike on too sometime actually i'm working on him he's the guy that takes videos in the temple and stuff <laughs> yeah i really admire like his work mm. and and what's happening on tiktok right now like <laughs> Just showing current Mormons, like, this is a cult. Like, if you don't recognize this, that is truthfully what happens in the temple. And I think it's, like, super powerful that people have the access to that now. If Sunstone was shunned, how did you find yourself in a position to be able to read whatever it was or talk with these people? I think it kind of started out at first, like, just kind of curiosity. Like, my friend Wendy, I'd talk with her and it just really aligned with my values. Like, you know, I started noticing I wasn't living authentically. In what way? So in around 27, I had these really great group of women at work because I went back into the workforce. That was a big kicker for me was that, you know, my husband wasn't making enough money. You know, I was tired of having to go on welfare and stuff. I had these other women around me that we'd go out, maybe get a drink. I just started like hearing the logic of just normal people kind of had that moment where I, I started to see like, this is the path I'm on versus this is the path I feel like I need to be on. Yeah. And actually 27 or 28, we moved back to my parents' house. We were supposed to only be there for like three months, but I was in that same neighborhood a few houses down from the pedophile's house and it just triggered me. You know, all of a sudden I had all these memories come back that I hadn't really dealt with. There were a lot of things happening where I wasn't really being welcomed back into the ward and that's kind of when I was like, I just need a break. I don't want to get back into a calling. Like, I'm not the one that believes. You're the one that believes. Like, you know, I just started getting more vocal about like the spirit telling me the church isn't true, kind of leaning into the authenticity. And so. Why did your husband want to stay with you when you had such diametrically opposed views? Wouldn't he want to be with a Mormon woman that believed it? No, because marriage is eternal and sacred. Yeah. Yeah, there was nothing more important than your marriage other than church. Did you love each other? Or when did that stop? Yeah, we really loved each other. So I waited for him. I met him right before, like the day after he put his mission papers in. So wow. you actually waited for a missionary. Waited is a loose term. <laughs> <laughs> We stayed in touch. Okay. And we weren't like intending to get married. But then when he came back, we missed each other so much. I think for me, because of the abuse, I 
needed this good upstanding person to kind of be my anchor to keep me stable through all the like blackout drinking. Like on my own, I was not stable. I was dealing with a lot. I would call him my anchor, kind of kept me on the straight and narrow at that time. Is that what was attractive about him, that he was so boring and you were so interesting? Like opposites (laughs) attract? I think that could be part of it. Are you with a boring person now? No, John is wild. He was just in bullfighting school this year. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he keeps me on my toes. Oh, that's a bit interesting. Yeah. And he's okay with, you know, like my blooming, figuring out who I am. Mm-hmm. Been open about my sexual identity and things like that. And he's very supportive that way, which is very new. That's good. And we've also kind of evolved together, you know, with our own like view of religion and things like that. So, oh, does he have a religious story too? Yeah, he'd be an interesting one for you to interview because he was a Lutheran pastor when we met. Holy fuck. And I was like, this is not going to work, you know, like. No. How did you meet him when he was a Lutheran pastor? We met online and. What, were you on Tinder or something? How did <laughs> Yeah. Can't remember which app. Did his Tinder reference Jesus straight away? No. Oh, really? I find Christian girls on Tinder, that's like the top part of their bio. Must love Jesus. I do think there was like some seeds planted like where he was maybe on his own journey. Oh. And I don't want to share his story too much. No. You know, I think he was intrigued by my authenticity, you know, and being blunt about like, that's not going to work, you know. And uh-huh. so I think that was appealing to him of like, you know, haven't been around someone like this before. Oh, you're an exciting package, Shay. I'm sure he was very <laughs> titillated. <laughs> Why, oh. thank you. <laughs> So we've kind of got like a whole nother podcast of story that could go on with just like the last three years journey of his awakenings. So you moved to your parents' place at 28, right? And that's when it all started to fall apart. Mm -hmm. How long was it after that that you actually split and just like didn't go back to the church ever again? I think it was pretty much immediate. Like I remember when we moved in, I was like, hey, just so you know, I'm really not going back to church. I need a break. And really what the crux was for him one day I was working and I was buying coffee for everybody and it was like you know treat because that's what those people would want not what I want to give but the gift that these people would want to receive and of course he goes coffee Shay really and I literally just like are you kidding me how many years and how many times do I have to tell you I don't believe this and first of all I'm not even drinking it myself he'd seen me drink coffee and like openly drink alcohol you know I thought we had an interfaith marriage just kind of finding that like he really wasn't listening We were in two separate marriages. He started getting like very passive aggressive, even shoved me once, like just angst about that I wasn't following what he expected, what we'd agreed on when we married. And I was getting to the point where I'm like, why do I have this like thing keeping me in a box? The marriage and the beliefs and everything was just kind of building up. And I was really starting to see two my children and the path they would be on. Mm. And so I think there's just like so many millions of things, but the CES letter really set me free when I found that. But it was just kind of starting to go down that rabbit hole. Of, yeah. I think at that same time is when Kate Kelly and John DeLynn had started actually getting called to excommunication. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I mentioned too, like, you know, BYU, I can't have my career and my religion tied together. Like, can't have this authority figure that can swoop in and just destroy my life. And so hard to even think back, like sometimes it feels like that short period of time was like many years, but it was really quick. Oh, I bet. Because your whole support structure would have been Mormon, right? Largely. So how did you get out? 
What did you do? Well, so I stopped going. And then, so growing up, I didn't have Mormon friends, right? Like not many because oh, I'd been isolated, you. right? Like I had the the boys <laughs> that I told oh. you about earlier. Oh. And then I had friends from other like people in the stake. But in my school, like people didn't know I was Mormon. I kept it really low key. Okay. So when I came back, it was like suddenly I was back with my high school friends and they had... Oh. I really respected them and their opinions more aligned with my friend Wendy. And so kind of just naturally happened, just being more authentic within myself. And also my job played a big part in it too. Like, Mm. I remember specifically telling my husband at the time, like, I am respected at work. Like, people come to me, they ask my opinion, they listen Mm -hmm. to me. Then I come home and I'm not. And, you know, I go to church and I'm not. It was just like a big awakening. So yeah, I mean, just stopping going and just expanding my network in terms of friendship listening to the mormonstories.org podcast. I'm hearing a lot about them. I've never actually listened, but I'll have to check them mm. out. They've got so many episodes. Oh, my I God. Yeah, yeah, he's been doing it for quite a few years now, so. Mm. Oh, fucking hell. So, yeah, and- <laughs> I know this is like a comedy <laughs> podcast, but it's like, you know, I don't... We have our ups and downs, Shay. Have you been listening? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Let me last words, say a phrase, Shay. Something pertinent and poignant. Sayonara, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> this heathen former Mormon that you are came into our podcast room and wrecked us. <laughs> Shay... Great to have you on again. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Yeah, until next week, everybody, from the Book of Autumn podcast, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen, and sayonara, bitches!